We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app 97.1 fm talk podcast this hour of the mark reardon show is sponsored by gamma tree experts your trees deserve the best care call gamma tree experts All right, I'm all for a white Christmas, by the way, but not a white-out Christmas with a blizzard and wind chills. It'll be like 40 below zero. Dave Murray is with us to kind of give us an update because we do have a winter weather system heading our way. A lot, large swath of the oh. country, right, Dave? Oh, yeah, no question about it. There's two big things here that we're talking about. One is the possibility of some snow. That is still a little bit in question as far as how much. The other is not in question at all. And that is an Arctic blast of cold air. Everything does not happen really until Thursday night. So we've got to let this thing play out. Nothing happens tomorrow. Nothing happens tomorrow night. Nothing happens Wednesday. And there's not much that goes on much of the day on Thursday. If we see a little rain and wet snow Thursday, yeah, a little bit. We're still above freezing on Thursday for daytime temperatures until late in the day. Late in the day, we'll fall below the freezing point. So the best chance for snow is behind this low-pressure system, and it's Thursday night. It's not going to be around very long. We're probably talking a few hours of snow, and then it is gone. But it's not going to happen until Thursday night. But the real story is these temperatures, right? I mean, how cold is it going to be? And it really, this gets exacerbated by the wind. Oh, no question. The wind and the cold are are the two big deals. We'll go through a couple of temperatures. Thursday night, We'll start the evening at about 28 degrees, but we'll be down to zero to minus five by morning on Friday morning. The high temperature on Friday is 10. The actual temperature is 10. Wind chills of minus 25 degrees throughout the day on Friday. Saturday, 15 for the high. Wind chills about minus 20. We'll go down to zero on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Sunny, lighter winds on Sunday and 22 on Sunday. So this coldest air by far this season and uh, the coldest we've seen since February of last year. Hey, Dave. Okay. Hi, it's Sue. Hi, Dave. I know. I know your voice (laughs) anywhere, Sue. Uh, Listen, (laughs) let me ask you this. When it gets that cold on Thursday night and may or may not snow, so the roads are not going to be great on Friday, but we're not going to know till what, Wednesday, what the real issue is? Yeah, I think I think that's a fair shot. What what we've got to wait is this low pressure still really hasn't even formed yet. It's got to get over the Rockies. It's got to try to start bringing up some moisture from the Gulf of Mexico. That's going to be trouble because there's a big batch of storminess along the Gulf right now. That's going to zap a lot of the moisture. So it's going to take some time for this storm to get going. 
if it holds off just if it slows down a little bit more, then the amounts will probably become less and less. I do think we will see some snow overnight Thursday night. Temperatures will drop like a rock, so a lot of the chemicals will not work on the road. So uh, Friday morning, you know, the good news yeah, is that's Friday the problem. morning. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of folks are probably just saying, hey, you know what? It's almost Christmas, so yeah, why not? Home. Let's just call it a day. Yeah, one thing I do hear is that don't leave cookies for Santa. Leave those hand warmer things. You know, you can. Because <laughs> hey, that's good. I got plenty of those. Yeah, he's yeah. going to need that. What what part of is there a part of the country that is going to get hit in your mind with more significant snowfall for people that might yeah. be traveling? Yeah, I think let's draw a line from let's say Omaha, Nebraska, through Chicago, through Detroit, over to about Buffalo. That 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 area could probably see uh, up to a foot of snow. That's not wow. for our area; just for people who maybe just started listening. That's in the line from Omaha to Buffalo, uh, and the winds there will actually be even stronger, and the temperatures will actually be colder. So that's going to be a tough, tough area. That will eventually work its way to the northeast part of the country, though. The big cities of the northeast are probably looking at mainly rain. But uh, this Arctic cold is going all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. It's going through central Florida. And uh, so the eastern two-thirds of the nation will be bitter cold, uh, you know, Thursday through Christmas Day. The only real warm spot is going to be Southern California. That's about it. And the desert wow. south. I wonder if we know anyone who hangs out there. Gosh, hmm, I, don't, I have no idea. If only we well, knew. That's where Santa, Santa's going to be on <laughs> Sunday night. <I> <laughs> All right, Dave, thank you for the update. We'll see. I, I right, mentioned. Guys. I think I mentioned this to you the other day. So my, my son's uh, girlfriend's coming in from Texas, really not accustomed to cold weather. She's going to have to acclimate quickly, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and this is the best way for her to do that. Just let her know. It's just as cold down in Texas right now. Oh, good. So it will be cold so down. Yeah, yeah this is going to be one of those big part, big part of the country is going to be below zero. Yeah. All, all right, Dave Murray, thank you very right. much. Appreciate it. All right. Thank Let, you. Bye-bye. Let's do this. with a like, really good point. The person that it was named after for the first oh. time in a week. <laughs> These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no. And now, Sue's News. Brought to you by Sue. By the way, thank you to Fred for filling in and Jane and Amy Mark scores. I really do appreciate that. Uh, Glad you're back. Here's what the problem is. I have no idea what you talked about. Yeah, there was one random fact that was a repeated random fact also. And we got it all right. We knew it. Did you know it? Yeah, right. Good. What was it? Do you remember? I don't remember. Yeah, you got it. It was was about Gilligan's Island, right? Oh, that's why we knew it. (laughs) That's right. Fred knew it. <laughs> it was the uh, Mark Close the, Gilligan's Island JFK. Yeah, with the well, yeah, that the was thing. somebody brought that up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah are you did, serious? Yep. She randomly brought that yep. up. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. That, on this day in history, in 1843, Charles Dickens published a Christmas Carol. How many forms has this story been done in? I mean, how many times have you seen a Christmas Carol? How many times, Abby? Oh, more than I could count. And have you seen it live theater or are you talking TV? I mean, it's been TV, movies, and theater. I think mostly movies. Okay, yeah. Mark, what's well, your favorite I mean, version? My Scrooge? favorite is Scrooge. With yeah, Bill Murray. It really is my favorite. I love that movie. I think it's very funny. It's very clever. Yeah, it is unique. very clever. Fred, have you seen it eight gazillion times? <laughs> yeah, I have in all I, versions. Uh, I used to. They did it at the Rep not that many years ago, and I've seen it all over. It's just amazing to me how not only has that held on, but we've seen iterations and they continue to come out. 
And that was on this day in 1843. Now, in 1958, President Eisenhower relayed a Christmas message to all mankind, America's wish for peace on earth and goodwill to men everywhere. And it was the first radio broadcast transmitted through space. Oh. And that was in 1958, and he did it uh, specifically from a satellite. But this was part of the space race. So we were the first country to do it. He was the first president to do it and wished peace to all mankind. And on this day in 1965, the St. Louis football Cardinals played their last game at Old Bush Stadium. Can you believe that? When was it? It was, uh, wait, it, what, no. it wasn't 1965. No. It, was it 75, 85? Wait, oh, wait, boy. What are we talking about? The football Sue's Cardinals? Sue's News yeah, had made a typo, yeah, and wait. I can't remember it. That would have been in the 80s. They, it's they 85. Left. Yeah. It's I'm 85. Thinking. I can't type. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it was this day, and of course they lost, which is unfortunate. Fred, did you go to the games in the old Bush Stadium to the old Cardinals? I saw one big red game in the in Bush Stadium. I think I yeah. saw one game there, too, but no more I than that. I never saw. Uh, maybe one. You don't even know that it existed, Abby. But <laughs> they said, go I ahead. I didn't know they played at Bush Stadium. You didn't know that? No, yeah. I didn't. No, I've never heard it before. <sighs> well, they unfortunately lost to Cleveland. And Larry Wilson uh, returned an interception for a touchdown and a team record of 96 yards. Eh, we'll see. And in bizarre food news, of course, because it's that kind of year, an art collective called MSCHF, which of course is short for mischief, has created a cereal called Big Fruit Loop, which is a box with a single giant Fruit Loop inside. I kind of respect this. Edible? Yeah. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> Now, obviously, it's a play on the actual Fruit Loop cereal, but this is unauthorized. It's a stunt, so Fruit Loops has nothing to do with it. They created their own recipe to mimic the real one. They did not say how they made it, other than saying, quote, it was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> so they have this giant Fruit Loop, and boxes will be sold online. You'll only get one giant loop per box, but they started today, 1999. If you want to uh, get one, it's unclear how many will be available. If you do want one, go to bigfruitloop.com. Abby, we can go there now I and see if you can find it. This makes yeah. my head hurt. I'm trying to figure it out. How so you could can eat you, it? Yes, I guess so. And I think Fred. Well, this you is it how off? it is in my head. You rip the thing open and can just take out one giant fake Fruit Loop. I don't know what color either. Oh. The color of the Fruit Loop you get is random. They haven't released any of the measurements for it. They do note that it's roughly the size of the box and that it's 930 calories. Are there any left? Uh, no, it is also that. Dang it! Yeah, unfortunately. <sighs> one serving, by the way, of the real cereal is only 150 calories, which isn't nearly as bad. Uh, we've got story out of London. This is kind of gross, but I thought I would do it anyway. The Westminster neighborhood in London has been struggling with people. I, how, how am I going to say this? They're not using the toilet, Fred. They're relieving <laughs> themselves on city streets, which is disgusting. So they're fighting back by painting the walls and other surfaces with a special kind of paint, which actually causes a stream to splash back. <laughs> so if you are out and you think, ooh, I'm just going to... It, you will get wet. 
It will flash <laughs> and splash back on you. Now, the idea, of course, that's is to... That's interesting. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What are the odds of hitting that wall, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. But they're going to paint... They have a plan, apparently, to paint at a certain height certain buildings <laughs> that get hit all the time. So that's what they're going to do. They say that it will soak the person who's actually done it. They've also added posters with a QR code to help people find their nearest public restroom and to remind them that public urination is illegal. They're adding more public toilets, and there will be a focus on finding people who were caught. This is a new thing. And I don't know if you can recognize the paint. Or whether you're just going to have to try it and it comes right back at you. <laughs> there was a story last week, I guess it was the week before, saying they're trying to come up with a paint that resists it, you know, for splash in bathrooms and men's bathrooms that, you know, will handle it better. So this apparently is just the opposite formula. And finally in Sue's News, we have today's random fact. There are 745,000 miles of cables under the ocean that power the Internet. 745,000 miles of cables under the ocean that power the internet. You ever wonder how tangled they must be? Ugh, Fred, I don't even know how they get down there to put so, it in stuff there. Stuff like that makes my brain hurt. Uh, really Brian, it, it freaks me out if I think about mm-hmm. it for too long. we got to go back here for a second, okay? okay. We've got to straighten out Sue's news here <laughs> oh, today. Geez. Let's do a little rewind. I, don't, I can't do a rewind sound effect, but let's go back to the Bush Stadium uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Read the original. Read what you said originally. Originally? Yeah, what you Stand said by. before, we think it was corrected, because I think you were right originally, but I'm going to guide you through it here. December 19th, 1965, yes. the St. Louis Cardinals played their last game in Old Bush Stadium. That is correct. Oh. Bush Stadium. Oh. It so, was. Thanks to Rich, who just um, hit me on Messenger. He said, no, no, no. <laughs> Football Cardinals played the last game in Bush 1 uh, at Grand and Dodier in um, 1965. They moved to Bush 2. In 66, okay. they played the last game in 87. Uh-huh. So we can see what happens when you're off for a week. You get oh a little gosh. rusty. Wait yeah, a minute. I forgot so about I was right, one. But then yeah. I believed that I was wrong. Right. You second-guessed okay. yourself. Okay. Yep. That's exactly. corrected. All right. Well, yeah. thank you for that info, by the way. Thank you, Rich. Yes. I appreciate it. There you go. Uh, it's 421 St. Louis's home for conservative talk on a Monday afternoon edition of the Mark Reardon Show. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
Oh, little Frank Sinatra here. Better watch out. You better not. And City Lopper. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. Checking it. I know. I heard this version over the weekend. Told Abby to put it in for the Christmas bumps. So there you go. Santa Claus is coming. What a crazy sports weekend. Mr. Frank Cusimano is going to join us in just a little bit to wrap up some of the Blues craziness. Of course, the um, the Tigers win in dramatic fashion on Saturday afternoon down in Florida. You had some crazy NFL and, of course, the World Cup as well. So we'll wrap it all up with Frank Cusimano from KSDK in just a few minutes. We've been tracking the Twitter files ever since Matt Taibbi released Part 1 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last week, he dropped Part 6 of the Twitter files, and then Mike Schellenberger uh, dropped Part 7, which is very interesting, deals with the FBI and the Hunter Biden laptop. But this afternoon, let's focus a little bit on some of the questions from the previous releases. And on particular, um, did... Everything that happened with Twitter suppressed the COVID lockdown protests. Eleanor Bartow is with us at The Federalist this afternoon. Hi, Eleanor. How are you this afternoon? Welcome to 97.1 FM Talk. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. So what what do we... Well, let, let me just get your broad take on the Twitter files. And I'll be honest with you. I have not seen all the information that Schellenberger put out today, so I'm not completely up to speed. But your thoughts overall on the way this is rolled out and the information that we're, we're learning? Yeah, well, I think what's really good about the public knowing more is is basically I have friends in journalism who have been telling me that this is going on, that they've been shadow banned, and I've wondered, you know, how bad is it? And right. the public really hasn't had a- any information on this, and so to, they're not seeing this, this censorship. They're just seeing, you know, what they see. I, I have journalist friends who say, that, you know, they picked up tens of thousands of followers once Musk took over, um, but some say, well, I know I'm still shadow banned because... Uh, I can barely find myself when I look for myself um, on Twitter. Um, so it, it has been pretty amazing to see this. And, and and again, a lot of it isn't necessarily new. It's just that we have proof now right, and right. that it's getting a lot more attention because, you know, big tech censorship is, is something that I think a, a lot of the American people, well, they just they don't even know it's there. Yeah, and some of it might not be new, but there are things that I think are, are getting exposed more in some of that. As I mentioned, Schellenberger today talking about the FBI and the Hunter Biden laptop. And one of the things that I'm curious about is how much FBI interference was there here. But on the topic of the, the lockdowns and, and the things that happened, because, man, if you said the wrong thing on Twitter during the, uh, the worst parts of COVID, you're going to shut down right away. You can't say things like the vaccine doesn't prevent people from getting the virus, which, of course, we found out very quickly <laughs> that it doesn't. But do we have information that maybe some of this did play a role in you know, restricting some of the protests that might have occurred? Yeah, that's what I was wondering when I wrote this article for The Federalist. You know, a lot of the coverage is about how of the Twitter files is about how conservative speakers and viewpoints were suppressed, and and thus our First Amendment rights to free speech. But there's another part of the First Amendment is that we have the right to peacefully assemble. And so I thought, you know, I I have to admit, I don't know if your listeners ever wondered during the lockdowns, you know, why aren't more people protesting? You know, what about parents at these schools that are shut down? And so I started to look into it, and about a month into the lockdowns, there were actually some protests happening against the lockdowns like all over the country. And Politico, a news website that is, is not conservative at all, it's very mainstream, they reported about how Facebook 
was removing posts organizing protests against the lockdown. And Facebook confirms this in their article and said that basically, you know, any kind of get together of any kind was violating stay at home orders. So if Facebook or Twitter had had wanted to find a good excuse to shut down protests against, you know, these policies that that their executives clearly agreed with, they had this excuse, well, it's a health violation. And also another reason they used to take down these protest organizers, just pages, were that it was inciting violence. Now, I went and looked and saw that these organizers were smart enough to know that it would be a bad idea to incite violence. That's unlawful. That would be criticized. They were encouraging people to protest in mosques, socially distanced, and definitely not to carry any guns with them. Um, I know we all heard about there was a protest where there were some people carrying their guns, but there were a lot of protests that we we might have seen if it weren't for censorship. Right, I mean, right. here we have Facebook basically saying that we didn't allow any posting on that. And we also know that Twitter, when this trucker convoy in Canada got got going, the, their Twitter page was, their their account was taken down. Right. And Eleanor, you, you um, most appropriately juxtaposed this with the BLM demonstrations in the aftermath of George Floyd, right? Yeah, I have to admit, this is where you just, you don't want to in, indulge too much in conspiracy theories of any nature, but you wonder, you know, what would I do if I were a, a Twitter employee and I and I just had very strong opinions about what was right? And, um, you know, did they possibly uh, manipulate people in a way that they were encouraging the, the Black Lives Matter protests? Like, may, maybe they were really you know, amplifying that as it's called, like everybody would have heard about that if they gone on Facebook that day or Twitter, you know, because those riots did billions of dollars worth of damage. And at the time people said, uh, isn't this a double standard? Like why, why are these, these protests allowed? These are, these are violent at times. Now, but you know, those protests weren't, they weren't um, banned on, on social media, any, any advertisement of those. You know, you, you said something earlier that kind of caught my attention because I'm I'm very glad this is being exposed. I, I do think there's still some questions about Elon Musk and all this. He does his own poll yesterday about whether he should be running this. But one of my concerns, Eleanor, still remains the fact that you and I are talking about this. You've written about this in The Federalist. Most of the mainstream coverage doesn't even exist. Most people... And, you know, I've, I've always said this um, and framed it this way. I get that people are, are busy. They have their own lives. But let's face it, a lot of people listen to music. They don't listen to talk radio. They're not paying attention to the Federalists, unfortunately. More people should. I'll make that argument. But, but a lot of people are still not going to have any clue that some of this stuff went on. And to those most important questions, which I think are about the FBI and the Justice Department, who knows if we get real answers in the end? Yeah, as you said, uh, we know that the FBI had about 80 people just monitoring social media and, you know, requesting even very minor posts that had, you know, nobody commenting or following them, uh, requesting that they be taken down. We know that DHS has been coordinating with these big tech platforms. Um, there's, there's so much. Like, uh, yeah, Anthony Fauci was communicating with Facebook's chief, Mark Zuckerberg, um, the Centers for Disease Control. Their digital medical chief was was communicating with Twitter executives about censoring unapproved opinions on social media. Uh, it's it, the other piece of uh, you know the reason that I was concerned about uh, were protests suppressed. Well, because you we can vote people out of office, but elections only happen so often. I mean, we can speak out if big tech will let us. Um, 
But then protests are a very natural way to, you know, take our grievances to the government, as, as the First Amendment says. And so when I looked, um, looked into this a little bit more, I saw there's this key Time magazine article um, that is called The Secret History of the Shadow Campaign That Saved the 2020 Election. And it's basically about how all these left-wing groups and, and business executives, they coordinated uh, long before the election happened to, to make sure that Trump didn't win. And uh, they actually started this effort, just weekly phone calls, but all kinds of people coordinating in the media. And uh, what, I, what I discovered was, was actually one of the main things that they were trying to control was protests. Like the very beginning of this article says that they wanted to make sure that, you know, if Trump lost the election and said that it had been unfair, that there wouldn't be protests. And they even had organized that they would have their own protesters get out on the, on the street if they, if they didn't like how things went for the leftists. They had 150 liberal groups that had about 400 different demonstration sites that they were ready to just text message everybody and tell them to get out there and protest. And so this, this article... It's all about how, you know, the Democrats coordinated to win the 2020 election. It starts off by saying, you know, we were really focused on making sure that the protests went the way we wanted them to. And and they basically started this effort right as the, the COVID lockdowns were beginning, because that was, you know, about a year before the election. Right. And so you just wonder what kind of manipulation could have taken place. But but, yeah, I mean, there's so much there's so much we already do know for sure. Um, but one thing that's a concern is. Um, Elon Musk has said, you know, some of the really important files could have been deleted. I mean, we know that Jim Baker, the lawyer um, over at Twitter, was was basically trying to do that at some point. And and who's to say that sometimes people use technology that deletes their messages after a short time. And, you know, people know, especially in in Washington, D.C., in policy, like never write something down that you don't want to become public. That's true. Not that I want to, you know, engage too much in conjecture, but. Well, no, it it's a, a legit question. Absolutely, it's a legitimate question at this point. Eleanor, thank you so much. I appreciated the piece at The Federalist. Eleanor Bartow, thank you uh, for highlighting this. We'll see what happens. I'm going to read a little bit of what Mike Schellenberger tweeted today because I'm trying to get caught up on that. But thank you, and you have a great holiday. Yes, you too. Thank you so much, Mark. So here's, here's what Mike said today, and he's been a guest on the show before, so it's really it's Barry Weiss and um, Matt Taibbi and Mike Schellenberger, who have exposed this. So he said, in the Twitter files, number six, we saw the FBI relentlessly seek to exercise influence over Twitter, including over its content, its users, and its data. In Twitter files number seven, we present evidence. This has got to be, I mean, in a, in a world where the media is fair, both sides would look at this and say, hey, uh, this CNN and the New York Times, the Washington Post, they say, OK, this this seems rather uh, interesting. Maybe we should investigate this. He says we present evidence pointing to an organized effort by representatives of the intelligence community aimed at senior executives at news and social media companies to discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after it was published. He says the story, there's a big tweet thread about this. The story begins in December of 2019, three years ago, when a Delaware computer store owner named John Paul Mac Isaac contacts the FBI about a laptop that Hunter Biden had left with him. On December 9th, 2019, the FBI issues a subpoena for and takes Hunter Biden's laptop. By August of 2020, Mac Isaac had still not heard back from the FBI, even though he had discovered evidence of criminal activity. And so he emails Rudy Giuliani, who was under FBI surveillance at the time. In early October, Giuliani gives it to the New York Post. Shortly before 7 p.m. Eastern on October 13th, Hunter Biden's lawyer, George 
Mezuris emails J.P. MacIsaac. Hunter and Mezuris, I'm going to hope I'm pronouncing his name right, had just learned from the New York Post that the story about the laptop would be published the next day. At 9.22 Eastern Time, 6.22 Pacific Time, FBI agent Elvis Chan sends tech, 10 documents to Twitter's then head of site integrity, Yoel Roth. Some of these names at this point should be somewhat familiar to you. Yoel Roth is one of them. Through Teleporter, which is a one-way communications channel from the FBI to Twitter. The next day... The New York Post runs its explosive story revealing the Hunter Biden's or I'm sorry, revealing the business dealings of President Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Every single fact of it was accurate. And yet this is interesting. Everything was real. And yet within hours, Twitter and other social media companies censored the New York Post article, preventing it from spreading and more importantly, undermining its credibility in the minds of many Americans. Now. I'm going to stop right there because I don't care what else happened with Twitter along the way. I don't care what else they suppressed. This in and of itself should be problematic to anyone who considers himself an American, who respects the Constitution. Right. And in particular, the First Amendment. This is outrageous. Why is it outrageous? Because everything they said was true. And because of the election and because it was Joe Biden's son, the FBI gets involved to spike the story. On December 2nd this year, Matt Taibbi described the debate inside Twitter over its decision to censor a wholly accurate article. Since then, we have discovered new info that points to an organized effort by Intel and the Intel community to influence Twitter and other platforms. Mike Schellenberger says, point 11, it's important to understand that Hunter Biden earned tens of millions of dollars in contracts with foreign businesses, including ones linked to China's government for which Hunter offered no real work. Here's an overview by an investigative journalist, Peter Schweitzer, and he puts a link in there. And he says, and yet during all of 2020, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Joel Roth to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack and leak operation. This was a um, sworn declaration by Uriel Roth given in December of 2020. Since 2018, I've had regular meetings with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, and industry peers regarding election security. During these weekly meetings, the federal law enforcement agencies communicated that they expected, quote, hack and leak operations, unquote, by state actors that might occur in the period shortly before the 2020 presidential election. In October, I was told in these meetings that the intelligence community expected that individuals associated with political campaigns would be subject to hacking attacks and that material obtained through those hacking attacks would likely be disseminated over social media. So you got the um, the FBI basically doing the work for the Biden campaign here saying, look, we're going to have to be careful here. Someone's going to try to hack this election. And let's see here. And yet during all of 2020. The FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly... Oh, that's the one I read. Sorry, he puts a bunch of different links in here. Number 13, they did the same to Facebook, according to CEO Mark Zuckerberg. The FBI basically came to us. It was like, hey, you should be high on Russian alert. We thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. There's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. So one question is, were the FBI warnings of a Russian hack and leak operation relating to Hunter Biden based on any, any new intel? No, they were not. Through our investigations, we did not see any similar competing intrusions to what happened in 2016, admitted FBI agent, the aforementioned Elvis Chan, 
in November. So the whole thing is somewhat questionable. Now you got more pieces of the puzzle to put it together, and Mike Schellenberger has done that with the Twitter files, number seven today. Sean Spicer, after the top of the hour, we have an audio cut of the day in the next hour as well from KSDK Sports Director Frank Cusimano with us every Friday and Monday. We got to start with the World Cup. What a game yesterday. What a second half, I should say, probably. Yeah, I, I think, Mark, it would be like if you had an NBA final and LeBron had 50 and Bird had 50 and it was a game seven or a Borg McEnroe final or a, a Ali Frazier championship fight where you can't really find a loser. I mean, you know, when you have the two best players in the world playing at the absolute best they can possibly play on the biggest possible stage, it was unbelievable theater. I can't wait to see like the overall television ratings. I just can't picture like share wise, the percentage of people that had the TV on, that were not watching it. It's got to be off the chart. Well, and you know, I admitted earlier, I turned it off. My, my wife, who's the soccer fanatic gave me um, free range said, Oh, it's two nil, you know, turn it off. So I turned on some NFL coverage and then I turned it back. She had left the house. And I mean, it was almost like I looked at the TV one minute and then five minutes later, because I think this is what happened. It was two nothing. And then all of a sudden it's tied and that was a crazy, crazy finish. It was very exciting. Yeah, and, you know, Mbappe ties it in 93 seconds, which right. is un- I just crazy. And there were so many, like, legacies at stake. I mean, would Messi go his whole career without winning a World Cup, or would Mbappe become, like, Pele in, in that higher regard? Now, he probably will be one day, but now you can make the case because of what happened yesterday for two and a half hours is Messi could be the best player in the world. You could argue the case now. My, my wife showed me an overhead picture of um, one of the celebrations in Argentina. And, <laughs> oh, oh, my, it was like there had to be a million people. There. It was insane. I'm not surprised. It was yeah. really amazing. All right, let's. how about this, though? This was pretty cool, too. Shot clock down to five. Johnson spins it out for Young. In and out. Final seconds. Hodge moving down. Fell. Throws it over for Ghostin. Yeah, Frank, uh, Coach Gates gets a nice little signature win early in the season after kind of getting smoked from KU. So now you got the uh, Bragg Rights game this week. Yeah, he'll go in there with just uh, one loss, too, uh, with a glitzy 10-1 record. I think that if you make that shot in a game of horse, you have to call backboard. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> Central Florida is a good team, and that's a huge victory for a brand-new Mizzou team. So I'm telling you, everything Coach Gates is doing from – recruiting three, four stars in the early signing period to lightening up the schedule with this new team, to winning all these games. Thursday night, if the weather doesn't screw things up, is just going to be electric. So the, the whole weekend, because that, that was the first amazing thing, and then that Vikings game and the comeback on Saturday, the other NFL games from the weekend, even the Chiefs game was a little too close for comfort yesterday. You got the World Cup. And how about the St. Louis Blues? Maybe they just needed a West Coast road trip before Christmas, Frank. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought that that would be the panacea for the Blues to take an 11-day, five-game road trip and get smoking hot. They've won three in a row. They've won two on this road trip. And tonight they're going to be in Vancouver in a 9.30 uh, start. But, yeah, I, I did not expect this. But, man, this is just an impossible team to predict. That's the bottom line. You win three, lose eight, win seven, then you lose uh, four in a row. It's just it's crazy. But this is still a tough week. They have, do you have three games before they return home for Christmas? Yes. It's Vancouver tonight, and then the very next night they're going to play at Seattle, and then they play Friday in Las Vegas. So we won't see them until Christmas Eve when they'll come back, and then they'll play their first game on the 27th. 
And then we'll, uh, I will not be here on Friday. I think Ryan Recker will be. But you got the bowl game for Mizzou on Friday night, don't you? Yeah, what a back-to-back situation for Mizzou where you had the bragging rights on a Thursday and then the bowl game on a uh, on Friday. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's crazy. Yep. All right, Frank. Well, listen, it's a great time of year for sports, and that was a really, really fun weekend. Not to mention that Mark Reardon sits as the number one seed or the number two seed in both of his fantasy football leagues, which pretty much just jinxed me winning any money yep. in those fantasy football leagues. I should not so have said that. You're in the that. championship, or you're just starting your playoff? Just start. Well, I had a bye in one league, and then in the other one, there's only two games. It's a semifinal and a final, and I'm the number one seed. And um, never been the number one seed. So I'll, believe me, I'll, I'll fail miserably. I'll keep you posted on this. But I'm kind of excited yeah, because it's been. I have Jalen Hurts as one quarterback, and I have uh, Mahomes as the other. So they've done a lot for me. Oh, that's nice. I have Lamar Jackson, and I'm thinking about sending some sage to Baltimore to get him well. I need him to be great this weekend. Thank you, Frank Cusimano. You have a great Christmas, and we will talk soon. All right, Mark. Thank you, sir. Yep, take, take care. care. We'll be back. Um, Sue, you're going to be working here because you just took your vacation. I'm off on yeah. Thursday, Friday. I'm sorry, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Monday. We're, we'll be back home next oh, week, all right. Tuesday. I'll be working Christmas oh, week. that's but good. I will not chat with Frank on um, on Friday afternoon because I won't be here. But that was a, you know, for someone like me who is a sports fanatic, mm-hmm. and I, I can get into any sporting event that's really thrilling, like the World right. Cup. Right. Uh, but the football Everything, the hockey, everything was great. The basketball over the weekend as well. So um, I was going to go, and I think I mentioned this on Friday. I was very excited because Rainford was going to take me to the Bragg and Rights game. But because number one son's coming in and I never get to see him, I figured it'd probably be bad, yes. bad fatherly protocol. So I'm going to stay home and watch the game at home. It's good but, you figured that out. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> it, took, it actually took me a minute. I told, Becky looked at me the other day. I said, well, I'm going to the Bragg and Rights game on Thursday. And she's like, and then I then I came to the the realization myself later yesterday. I yeah, said, it, it "Okay, I'm be. dumb. Let me just admit that I'm dumb, and I'm Plus certainly the not going." I mean, come on. No, no, I know. It was just well. The only reason there was even a question is because this whole thing with him visiting came together relatively quickly, mainly because he does not inform us of any kind of plans or communicate. So that that's a bit of an issue. Oh, by the way, you know one of the things that I do um, on the weekends and. We lost another one yesterday is because we cannot bet legally here in Missouri. I send money to my friend in Las Vegas and we always do a parlay, sometimes like a $10 parlay, a $20 parlay. So what we did yesterday is we picked three teams and and this one in particular would not have um, gotten you very much money, but I'll tell you exactly what we did. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was uh, the Chargers minus three. So they had to win by more than three. The Bengals minus three and a half. So they had to win by more than three and a half. And then the Packers minus seven. We did not. I can't remember. The I don't Packers think played a night, they played a right? night. Right. So a $20 bet on that would be $140. I think we're already dead because of the Bengals. But I bring it up because listen to this at Argosy. A fi- See, this is the great thing about parlays. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Someone put together a $15 parlay with a bunch of um, overs. Over means you're picking the amount that's going to be scored. And you're going to take the over or the under. You take okay. the over. He had 16 overs. $15 bet. It paid $652,902, one of the largest payouts in a $15 parlay ever. It was seven different NBA games that were to be played that evening. Look at that. That's that is nuts. a great Oh, my God. I'm a little jealous here. That's a pretty good Christmas present. Get more at 971talk.com. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.